Bibles prepared for you in the pews. First of all, to um, I think we'll only read the Acts reading today. You'll find that on page 119 of the Pew Bibles, 119 of the New Testament section of the Pew Bibles. And I would encourage you later today or during the course of the week to read the passage from John's Gospel, John chapter 15. That's listed for you in the bulletin. But Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from a heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, you're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say indeed. These are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both men and women. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. There have been two main headlines in the news this week that really caught my attention and I'm sure caught the attention of of most of us. Two, can I say, life-changing headlines. The first was a devastating tragedy. Another shooting, another high school shooting that took place in Texas. Ten people Young people were killed. It doesn't even bear thinking about. I'm sure every one of us is is blown away once again by these horrendous events that seem to keep on happening again and again in this country. 
It doesn't bear thinking about what the parents of these young people must be going through <coughs> at this time. Death is very much a part of life. But death out of time ought not to be anything that any of us have to deal with. Children ought not to go before their parents. It's a life-changing event for all those parents who lost their children this week. It's a life-changing event for all those students in that school. It ought to be a life-changing event in the life of our nation as we consider that this type of thing happens again and again and again. Tragedy changes our lives forever. There's one high, uh, headline that was featured prominently in the news this week. The second on a much lighter note happened yesterday morning at 7 a.m. I woke up, my kids were already downstairs, they were running around and uh, they all wanted to watch and I said, right, there's one thing we're going to watch this morning. And we put the, the screen on and we started to watch. You know what it was? <laughs> what did I watch yesterday morning at 7 a.m., the royal wedding? We put the wedding on. It was beautiful. How many of you watched it? Few of you, many of you. It was absolutely stunning to watch that wonderful, wonderful event take place. I called my mother later in the day and uh, we watched the ceremony, okay? Started at seven, finished a little after eight. It was beautiful, beautiful service. Um, called my mother later in the day. Did you watch the wedding? Yes, we put it on. Uh, nine o'clock in the morning, their time in Scotland. They watched it all the way through till the coverage ended at three o'clock in the afternoon. Six hours. <laughs> Seems a wee bit much to me, but they, they sat and watched the entire uh, proceedings. It was, it, that, that was a life-changing event in so many ways. First of all, for that young couple, um, marriage is a life-changing event for any of us that enter into that covenant of marriage. For most of us, hopefully, marriage changes us for the better. Sometimes, unfortunately, as so many of us know, the marriage relationship that some have does not work out. And it changes things, perhaps not for the better. But it's transformative. It's transformative. Two people become one flesh. Lives change. Children come along. They become part of that flesh as well. Then grandchildren come along and they all become part and parcel of that relationship. Everything is transformed with two simple words. I do. I do. So in the lives of that young couple, everything has changed and everything will change. But in many ways, the face of the British monarchy is changed forever. First time an African-American has entered into the British royal family. That's a substantial change that I don't think any of us can even begin to imagine the change that's going to take place 
in the future for that particular family. Through tragedy and through joy, our lives are changed. Sometimes for the worse, hopefully most often for the better. But our lives are changed forever. In this passage that we read from Acts today, we read of an event that changes things forever. In the life, the life of a community, in the lives of individuals, but also in the life of the world. The whole passage points towards transformation. The language that's used, the way the story is told, it all points towards a huge and substantive transformation. That things between God and humanity will never be the same again. One of the things that the earliest Christians had that we just don't seem to have was an intimate knowledge of the Hebrew Scriptures. So many of the earliest Christians were coming out of the Jewish tradition. In fact, the earliest Christian community was perceived to be a sect within Judaism, one of many sects within Judaism. So they were, they were intimately familiar with the Hebrew Scriptures, with what we call the, the Old Testament. And time and time again in this passage, we're pointed back to, to stories, to events, to things that happened in those scriptures. Not least is this lengthy quotation from the book of Joel, but that's only one of the, 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 the references to, to the Old Testament. Some of the references are, are somewhat veiled. And I want to highlight just one or two of them this morning. First of, first of all, we find that in this story we, 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 we have a, um, a, a sound of violent rushing wind. We have the appearance of fire. We, we almost have the sense that this place is, is shaking. So we know something transformative is happening. And what this story does is, first and foremost, it takes us back to a story that takes place in the life of the prophet Elijah. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the story of Elijah, the great prophet of the, of the Hebrew people. On one occasion, he was utterly devastated. His life had fallen apart. He was ready um, to enter into death, to give himself up to death, because it seemed like God had utterly abandoned his people. And yet, he learned that God still had use for him. And that God still loved his people and wanted to bring his people into a deeper relationship. So Elijah was summoned to a mountain, to a cave high in the mountain. And standing there, he waited and he watched and he listened for the voice of God. Three things happen before God begins to speak. There's an earthquake. There's a mighty wind. There's a devastating fire that rushes through the valley. And then God speaks in the sound of a still, small voice. This story points us back to that. So we know that in this event, the hand of God is very present. The voice of God is speaking through his people. 
This is a story of God interacting with his people and God bringing about a transformation in the lives of his people. The second thing that we see is, um, again, we're, we're, we learn that this, this mighty and powerful wind came into the building and seemed to shake the whole place. Interestingly, I, 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 I believe that Luke's intention in telling us about this wind points us back to the very, very beginning. It points us to, to Genesis chapter 2, where we find God creating uh, a humans, out, or the, the man in this telling of the story, out of the, the dust of the earth. He forms the man, and then God does an interesting thing. He breathes life into the man. He gives the man life simply by breathing into him. Now, what's interesting about that is the Hebrew word ruach, which means breath, also means spirit. God, in breathing his life into the man, was breathing his spirit, the spirit that is life-giving. What's also interesting is in the New Testament, the word for spirit is pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. It's where we get words like pneumatic from. Now, pneumatic has to do with what? Air, doesn't it? Okay? It has to do with air. The word for spirit in the New Testament, as in the Old Testament, also means breath. It also means wind. So Luke is taking us back to Genesis chapter 2, back to the beginning, and saying that this is God reforming everything. This is God not simply giving life, but giving new life, transformative life, by breathing new life into his people as he breathed life into the man in Genesis. The third thing that we see in this passage is this image of, of tongues of fire. What seemed to be tongues of fire came and they divided and they appeared above the heads of each one. What Luke's doing here is he's pointing us back to another story. I think two other stories in, in the book of Exodus, actually. Do you remember uh, when Moses was first called by God? When Moses was out tending his father-in-law's sheep, what did he see that, that he knew God was, was calling him? What was the one thing that he experienced in that moment where he was drawn into the presence of God? Do you remember? A burning bush. The bush was, appeared to be on fire, but it was not consumed. Okay? So here in that moment, you had this appearance of God, the voice of God speaking through this flaming bush. Here again in, in Acts, we see what appears to be fire, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. There's another event that takes place in the, in the life of, of the Hebrew people. When they uh, escaped from Egypt, when God brought them out of Egypt by his mighty hand, how did God lead them through the wilderness? Do you remember? Well, during the day, he led them by a pillar of cloud. Okay, or a cloud led them, floated in front of them, and showed them the way to go. How did God lead them by night? A pillar of fire, right? 
He led them by a pillar of fire. So this story in Acts points us to God's leading and God's guiding of his people afresh in a new way, in a different way, in a transformed way. The story is all about transformation. It's about the transformation of, in the lives of individuals. We see Peter preaching, if you read on in Acts chapter 2, you'll see this extremely lengthy sermon that Peter preaches. Here is Peter who had been tongue-tied and had been confused as you read through the Gospels. But with the coming of the Holy Spirit, Peter's life is utterly transformed as he speaks the Word of God, preaches the Gospel to all those he comes in contact with a very, very lucid telling of the gospel message, as Luke has it here in this passage. So individuals' lives are transformed. The church is transformed. The church is filled with the Spirit. And that's something that's important for us to remember. We are the same church. We are the same people of God. That same Spirit that God gave on that particular day remains with us. What we are called to do in our medical ministry with New City Kids, with Fish, with the Sensibility Program, all the ministries that we have, all the missions that we have, all that we seek to be and do, we do not do it in our own strength. But we do all of these things in the power of the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us and transforming us. But it's not just individuals, it's not just the church that's transformed. It's the whole world that stands to be transformed. I don't know if you noticed in this passage, you had the disciples speaking in all these different tongues, different languages, Medes and Parthians and Elamites, um, Judeans, Cappadocians, and so on and so forth, representatives of every country in the known world. The gospel message seemed to be initially that it was for those who were in Jerusalem and in Judea, perhaps those in Samaria, but it really wasn't for outsiders. It was only for those who were in, for a very, very select group. But in this moment, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, everything seemed to change. Everything was transformed, never to be the same again. For the message of Christ is not just for a select few, but the message of Christ is for all who would believe. May we know that, and may we have the courage as a church in the power of the Holy Spirit to proclaim that message that Jesus Christ came for us all, not just us all here, but for us all, because he loves us and his desire is to transform us all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The hymn is 131, Wind Who Makes All Winds That Blow. We stand as we sing hymn number 131.